Well, everybody, I want us to continue our journey where we left off last week. If you were with us last week, we were talking about the call of God and looking at the life of Abraham and how God called him in the end of chapter 11 and beginning of chapter 12. And I want to continue in that vein today. If you weren't with us last week, please do go and find that uh, preach on the YouTube channel, Destiny Germany, and catch up with part one of this really important series. I really feel this is a now word. It's a positioning word. It's a releasing word. It's a moment for many of you who are connecting with us to really hear this word of positioning and release because God is calling people forwards and onwards into the wonderful plans that he has for us all. And that's going to mean change. It's going to mean responding to it. And uh, please do remember what I said last week. Go and listen to it again. Get hold of it for the first time. Just catch up on that because then the point at which we're going to pick things up today is going to make a lot more sense and complete the story and complete the message of what God is saying. The title of today's message is Get Going and Keep Going. Get going and keep going. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4. And this is going on from, as I said last week, where Abraham was called and said to, and God said to him, leave your family, leave your country, leave your relatives. There's lots of leaving going on. And then there was lots of promising going on. And I will bless you and I will give you and I will, etc., etc. So this call has come and the promise has come with it. Amen. But you know what? Lots of us stop there. Lots of us stop at the point of, hey, God's called me. Hey, can I tell you what God said to me? Hey, can I show you what God spoke to me many years ago and the promise he gave me? And we're full of talk and full of showing and full of telling. But in verse 4 of chapter 12, this is what we read. It says this, So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. There was this point on Abraham's journey and responding to the call where he actually got up and walked in obedience to it. He began. He got going. He engaged with what God had spoken to him, told him to do, and promised him. And there comes a point in all of our journeys, and in fact, there comes many points on our journey that we all need to actually respond, actually get going, actually begin, actually engage. And maybe God's saying exactly that to you. Come on, you know what I've said to you. You know I've called you many times in the same way. Stop talking about it. Stop just getting excited about it. Stop getting all the feels. And come on, move out now on that word and begin the journey on which I'm calling you. See, the call of God becomes reality through obedience to the call. 
And there's so many Christians stop at talking about it, all the feels and all revved up, but they never engage with it. They never take the necessary steps. They never have the get up and go. And Abraham had get up and go. He actually engaged. And I want to say to you, if you have a calling of God on your life in any area, every decision you make has to be in line with that call. Every decision you make, geographically, relationally, use of time, whatever it may be, where decisions need to be made, which are life-shaping, life-direction, life-usage decisions, all of those decisions need to line up with the calling of God on your life. The second thing I want us to see on the journey here is that every season has something valuable in it to be taken to the next. In verse 5, it tells us this. Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all the possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. You know, Haran wasn't where he was meant to be or where he had meant to have made his settling. We saw that last week. He'd been called out of Mesopotamia, and this was kind of a pit stop along the way. It wasn't the perfect place where God wanted him to be. But we note here, God said, hey, as you leave this season, and as you press on into the next, there are people and things what, that you have connected with and acquired into your life in this season that I actually want you to take with you into the next. There is no season that's ever wasted in God. There is nothing that God cannot and will not use to help us fulfill the plans and purposes that he has for us. And some relationships which are actually part of one season are to go with us into the next, even as we ourselves move into new seasons. There is gold in the season in which we're actually in that God says, take that with you. That's to be useful in the seasons ahead. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things means all things. The good, the bad, the mistakes, the ugly, the wonderful, the successes, the oh, I can't believe that was so wonderful, and the oh, I cannot believe I did that. Every bit of it, God says, is gold in my hand that I will use to shape you, to use as a growth material, just like being planted in a garden. You know what in a garden? Plants are in that soil, aren't they? And guess what? For those plants in that garden and in that soil, there's everything going on there. There's the beautiful sunshine, there's the refreshing rain. 
And there's the bird that flies and drops something into the same. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's the wind and it's getting blown around. It's all going on in one. It's, there's the insects. There's the insects that die and they're rotting bodies. There's all the good stuff, <laughs> all the minerals, but there's all the other stuff going on as well. Do you know what the most wonderful and amazing thing with God is this? He will waste nothing and he will turn it all for good, every single bit, for the calling and the purpose he has on our life. I have things in my life where I look back and think, I wish I'd never done that. Some in my ministry journey and some things I've been involved with over the years, I look back and think, that was a mistake. I should have handled that differently. And whilst I look back with some degree of regret and think, oh, I wish this verse gives me such comfort because somehow even those mistakes, God will turn for good, even if it's just I've learned from them how not to do it. I've learned how to filter some decisions better. And hopefully, I've learned from them going into the next. One of my uh, passions, if that's the word, I like following football. If you're watching in the States or from the States, you will use the word soccer. But um, those of us on this side of the country use the world use football because we actually do use our feet for it. You know, not like football, you use a hand. I, I don't know what's going on with that. But anyway, football. And my team is Aberdeen, Aberdeen Football Club in Scotland. And um, one of the most successful managers they ever had was Alex Ferguson, who went on from Aberdeen to manage Manchester United and gave them unprecedented success. And he's known the world over as being probably the best manager ever and um, incredible, incredible manager. So I read his autobiography and he was talking about where he began his managerial career. They had a small club in Scotland called East Stirling. And in his autobiography, he says of his time when he was at a very small club, very first management position, he says in his autobiography, I was making mistakes, but I wasn't repeating them. And you see, that really sprung out at me because here was this great Alex Ferguson saying, I made mistakes. But the key was, I wasn't repeating them. So it's okay to make a mistake, but let's not keep on making the same mistake over and over again. Let that mistake become our tutor and take whatever we've learned from it into the next season. Every season has something valuable to take from it into the next. The question is having a discernment, God, what comes with me, what doesn't? Who comes with me? Who doesn't? See, he had to leave, as we said last week, he left the settlers. He left people who did not want to keep growing, keep going. He left people who were holding him back, who were quite happy to stay as a settler when God's call in Abraham's life was to be a furtherer of his kingdom. And you know what? That's not always people that are not Christians. 
I had people in my life at one point who just were like wet blankets on my fire. They, do, they just poured cold water on my passion for Jesus. And they were, some of them were Christians. They were just moany and groany and small-minded and always introspective. And everything inside of me was wanting to serve God. Everything inside of me wanted to press on to what God had for me. And I had to adjust those who were around me. I had to make adjustments and start to spend more time with those who would sharpen me, who would encourage me, cheer me on, and challenge me and inspire me. I didn't want to be constantly pulled back and pulled down by negativity and smallness and settling. I wanted to fill my life and my world with others who were genuinely pursuing. And maybe you need to discern in your life where some changes are now necessary. The third thing I want to draw out from these verses is at the end of verse 5 it says, And they set out for the land of Canaan, thus they came to the land of Canaan. I just love that kind of duh type. <laughs> that kind of tone that comes through here. And they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. It's like so obvious. What you set out for is what you will come into. You know, when you and I get into our cars and we punch in the address we're going to into the sat-nav, it sets that car on its destination. And as long as you keep following the instructions, either verbally or visually, you will come into where you set that car out to come. But if you punched in a different address, it's not going to come to the one that you want it to come to. And that's the same with our life. We have to set out for we have to direct our life in the direction of. We can't just keep talking about and never set out for. And so for some of us, it means reorganizing for, reprioritizing for, realigning relationships for, bringing the necessary changes for. You see, Abraham, if he'd just gone and said, as I said at the beginning, God's really spoken to me. I've written it down. He's really given me these great promises, but didn't change one thing. Never actually got his stuff together. Never actually said, right, tomorrow we're, we're gathering all this. You, you, and you coming with me. That stops, that stays. And as he said, right, guys, we're leaving the house tomorrow and we're actually getting going at this time. Now, you know what it's like. You make all these plans when you're going on holiday. You know, right, you've got the family to got to get ready and we've okay, we've got everything packed and the car will be packed by this time. And okay, guys, tomorrow at this time we're leaving. I need you all up and all ready. And particularly if you're catching a flight to somewhere when you've got to be there on time or you're going to miss your flight. I only missed my I've I've missed a flight once in my life. It felt terrible. I felt absolutely awful. And it was because I got on the wrong train. <laughs> Going up to Munich, I got on the wrong train. Oh, man. And it was half an hour into the journey on the wrong train when I realized I'm on the wrong train. 
and I missed my flight. It was just a catalogue of errors. I felt so bad. But you know what? You know that. And some of you are highly organized and you love having everyone in place and saying, right, we're leaving at this time. But sometimes you spend more time planning your holidays, organizing the travel plans than you do about your own life. You spend more time researching the route that you're going to take. And if you're like me, when we go on holiday, we're take the car and we'll drive through the night so the kids can sleep in the car. And I'm out there, early doors in the morning, getting the the programming done into the sat-nav. I've thought it all through. I've got all that planned. See, sometimes we spend more time programming the car or planning when we need to leave to reach an airport on time to get a flight on time than we do our actual calling in life. As they set and they set out for the land of Canaan, thus they came into the land of Canaan. Readjust, plan, and set out for, and you will come into what you set out for. The fourth thing to say is this, the call of God requires our total trust of God. As we read this story, as it develops, Abraham gets to Canaan, the land which God wanted him to get to, thank God. And then it says in verse 10, it says that the famine set in. And circumstances were not looking very good. A famine. There's this great call, great promise, let's get going, I'm pursuing. And then suddenly, famine? This wasn't part of the plan. You know what, we sometimes make the mistake of thinking this, when I follow the call of God in my life, everything will just be wonderful and smiley and happy and tickety-boo. It's often not the case. We think call of God, plan of God, central in my life is always going to just make it all wonderful. No, God said in this life, you will have challenges, persecution, trouble, stress, all of that will actually be part of life's journey. His promise was, I will never leave you and never forsake you on the journey. His promise was never, I will remove every barrier on the journey. His promise was, I will never leave you and never forsake you on the journey. His promise was, I will be with you in the valleys of the journey. The good shepherd will always be with you on the journey. And the good shepherd will bring you through, and he is Alpha and Omega. So that in the middle of life, he promises to be with us, that we will be more than overcomers. But he does not promise to remove every barrier of this fallen world. Abraham's response to this was panic. Abraham's response was, right, taking things into my own hands. I know God said to come to this land, but I am in panic, and I will sort this out, so I will leave this land. And he went off to Egypt, away from where God wanted him to be. How often... We say we love God, trust God, he's mighty God, I will follow God until a problem hits and then we go, actually, I don't trust you that much. Actually, 
I will take the control back here again. Gosh, how many times do we sometimes do that? You see, there's nothing like a challenge to show us what we really believe. There's nothing like us hitting a challenge which actually shows up what was there as a weakness in the first place. The challenge didn't bring the weakness. The weakness was already there. But the challenge shows us, actually, this isn't as robust as you think it is. I'm a musician, and growing up, and I still do, I play the accordion. And as I grew up, I was playing classical accordion. Many classic pieces of music, everything from Bach to Vivaldi, and pieces written just for accordion as well, went into some major competitions. And uh, my life is filled with music and still is in so many ways. My dad was my teacher, taught me from when I was six years old. And uh, that had its pros and cons, believe me. Maybe some of you who have experienced that will know exactly what I mean by that. But he was a pretty strict teacher. And as we came up towards competition time, I would spend hours a day practicing. In fact, I used to spend some of my school holidays practicing. And I used to actually spend them practicing sitting in front of a roaring fire to simulate getting sweaty hands when I was getting nervous at a competition. I wanted to get the sweat moving so that I could see where my fingers would maybe slip off a key, etc., to practice being under those kind of competition conditions. And at those same moments, my dad would say to me, if he came into my practice at times, he would say, okay, I want a performance from you. And that word sent shivers down my spine, a performance. Suddenly I saw myself on the stage. Suddenly I felt the pressure of the competition moment. I had all the feels of that moment going on and the, the sweat in my hand was going and the sense of I need to perform and this needs to be right and this needs to be the best came upon me. Although I was only in the practice room at home with me and him. And so as I played under that self-imposed condition and in that mentality, if there were weaknesses which were going to show up under the pressure of the moment, they would show at that point. And right enough, it would show me where I thought I was good and strong. It would show me where I thought I had those runs really going well. But actually under the mentality and pressure of competition conditions where the test really came, it showed that actually they weren't as strong as they needed to be. And that was helpful for me, and maybe if you're an accomplished sports person, musician, or in other areas of life, you're going to identify with that. And sometimes that's what happens in life. Those moments of testing comes and it shows us what we really believe. So for Abraham, actually, I don't know if I really trust you, God, to get, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this one. But I want to contrast that with a story from Moses' life. And in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22 to 25, we find this story. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? 
Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. So here's Moses in the will of God. Lead my people out, okay. He's leading them out. And they come to a problem where we're gasping for something to drink. The people are grumbling and groaning. It's not exactly a walk in the park. And it's like, we have nothing to drink. This water is bitter. But he didn't panic and take things into his own hands. It says in verse 25, Then Moses cried out to the Lord. That's what Abraham didn't do. But Moses did. God, you got me here. I'm following your call. I have a challenge. Now I have a conviction that you're well able to sustain me in the middle of the challenge. When you call me and I follow that call, your divine sustenance is there in every season for me. And I cry out to you, God, for your answer in this moment. I do not panic. I do not retreat. I do not run away. I call out to the Lord in this moment. And guess what happens? What do we read here? The Lord showed him a piece of wood. In other words, he couldn't see with natural eyes, but God says there was a miracle waiting to happen. But I wanted you to cry out to me. And I want to say to you today, do not run from challenge. Cry out to the Lord in challenge. And there will be your piece of wood, so to speak. Even although you think, well, I can't see the answer. God says, believe me, I have answers that you will never know because they are supernatural answers. My ways are not your ways. My hand is not um, restricted. And God never said that your natural environment would be your provider. God never promised that your employer would be your provider. God never promised that, your, that the, the economy would provide for you. God never promised any. He said, I am the Lord who provides for you. And my goodness me, God has billions of ways, endless ways of providing. If you believe it, say amen. The call of God requires your total trust of God. And there will come moments that all those songs you sing about how you we trust God and how he's great and mighty and he'll never, he's never going to let me down. Hey, there's going to come a point where on the journey that will be tested, whether it's more than a song for you. And the great mighty God will show himself strong and your testimony is going to be something like, man, all I saw was a piece of wood. In fact, I didn't even see the piece of wood until God showed it to me. But my goodness me, he came through with something supernatural. See, these testimonies only come from points of need. But you need to know, God will never let you down. But to have that testimony, to have that graspable, he did it for me, it only comes when moments like that happen where you can only cry out to God and he has to show himself strong. Don't run off to Egypt thinking you can sort it all out by yourself because when you read that story of Abraham when he went down to Egypt, it did not go well. Do you hear an amen? And the final thing to say is this, the call of God is irrevocable. In chapter 12 and verse 18, God engineers Abraham's return out of Egypt, where it's all gone wrong. It's all gone pear-shaped. 
See, that's what happens when we walk in. Come on, you know, it, that's not where you're meant to be. Come on, get back on track. Yeah. And in Genesis chapter 12, 8 to 9, just before he made the decision to go down to Ab and into Egypt, this is what we read. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called in the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. So this is the last point and the last thing he did before he took a wrong turn. He comes back out of Egypt and look what happens. Look where he comes to. Genesis 13, verse 1 to 4. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So he took this detour down to Egypt. God brought him back out, out of Egypt. Where did he come to? He came back to the point where he had been before it all went wrong. He hadn't gone backwards, but he also hadn't gone forwards. God quite simply said, okay, sunshine, let's get going again from where it all went wrong. Okay, we're not, I've not taken you backwards. You've not jumped forwards. You just took a detour. It's not game over. Just get going again from the same point where you took the wrong turn. Come on, let's go in again. Isn't that wonderful? God did not say, right, you. I'm sending. It's not like snakes and ladders. You know the board game where you fall down the snake and you go, oh, man, I've gone back 10 spaces. Or Monopoly, go back five spaces and then you land on super tax or something. God doesn't do that with us. God doesn't punish us. He simply says, right, let's get back on track and get going again, and he speaks about the future and the call and the plans and the purposes and says, come on, let's get going again. The truth is, all of us in some ways at some times are disobedient. We blow it. We mess up. We take wrong turns. We take detours. But God is not a punisher. He is a believer in us. He is kind and compassionate, and we don't blow it for good. In Romans 11, verse 29, it says, For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. He doesn't change his mind about us. He simply says, let's get going again. Because that call on your life and the gifting in your life and the promise of God over your life is now and forever. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the callings that you give us and the giftings that you give us to accomplish that call. Thank you for every person watching and connecting with us. Lord, I pray that this word would have spoken right into their life and encouraged them on their journey with you, wherever they're connecting with around the world today. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, that this would be uplifting. This would be a word which moves us out into the plans and purposes of God. This would be an encouragement to get back on track 
This would be an encouragement to believe you and to walk with you and to run after you and to set out with you and come into everything you have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, it might be you're watching today and as yet you don't know Jesus. A journey with him like this I'm describing, you, this is like a foreign language, but everything inside your heart is saying, I want a relationship with God. You can have that. We'd love to help you have that. And um, maybe just a quick chat together is going to help that. You can connect with us right now if you're watching on church online. In the chat box, there's a little button coming up that says, I want to give my life to Jesus. Click that. And then it's going to turn and say, request prayer. Click that as well. And then you're in touch with one of the uh, online hosts here who would love to help you in that decision. Maybe you just want to connect with us and say, pray with me. Maybe you're already a Christian. You say, pray with me about my calling. Pray with me about my journey. Hey, get in touch with us. If you're watching on another platform, YouTube or another social media platform, then the contact details are below the video. Please get in touch with love to help you. Go for it, everything God has for you. God bless you. And we'll see you next time here at Destiny Online. God bless.